Welcome back to another Ascari cast. My name is Rod Van Blake, author of Angel Illumination, and joined once again by my friend and graphic artist, Jordan Pennell Jackson. How you doing, Jordan? Doing great, Rod. Dual wielding iPads, bruh. Wielding, uh, double, uh, uh, double wielding <laughs> iPads, huh? <laughs> double wield them, Joyce. Ready to finish this book. Okay, good to go. How many pages we got left? Um, Still at three. I'm, I'm close to finish up this first one. I mean, this one of the three pages, so doing good but you know how's your how's your week coming along how's everything uh going good going good got uh lots of good news all the way around um as you know as i've already told you but the audience may not know we are officially accepted into awesome con yeah 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 <laughs> which should be a uh pretty interesting experience given that i don't know if you've done i've done awesome con once i didn't get mm-hmm. to do it the second time we think got shut down have you done awesome con before nope this this will be my first time there so i'm no. We'll see how this goes. It'll be interesting because of COVID. Especially. Yeah, and the fact that this will be our first time tabling together and seeing how that how that dynamic works. Um, as we, you know, individually over the past few years have been at various events uh, solo, but it's it's going to be a different dynamic uh, yeah. with having the artist there and hopefully a good opportunity for you folks out there wanting to check us out. Um, are you outside? No, no, I'm inside. Can you hear me clearly? Okay, yeah, I can hear you clearly. For like wind or something. It's crazy. Um, it'll be interesting. So you know, usually when you're at a con and you have, say, the graphic novel or the art that you've done of some of the characters, you're the artist and I'm the writer. But usually I'm not there, and vice versa. I have, I'll have the books, I have the graphic novels, and I have some of the character art but the artist is never there this will be an opportunity for folks to interact with both of us simultaneously uh at, at the event so i think that'll be cool yeah they'll be able to get both signatures They're like wait we can have the signature from the writer and the artist this is a game changer yeah plus um i believe there was an announcement about masks indoors is it gonna time. is it gonna be still mandated? Is that gonna be mandatory? I, I think it will. And I've already Good. got Good. I'm ordering a special <laughs> mask for events, so it'll be extra. Are you cool, getting I the think. are you getting the mask? Are you getting the mask? Yeah. Uh, if, you, you, you wanna tell the people which mask that is? Uh <laughs> yeah, I guess I could tell them I'm getting basically a cyberpunk uh like futuristic half-faced uh samurai mask to go over the bottom of my face um still still uh looking at different designs choosing which one mm. to have okay. but i did since we're at comic con i didn't want to have just a regular old you know hospital mask or a regular just monocolored <laughs> mask and i'll be sitting at my table so i want you know i want something special for the event too. right so right, people right. take pictures it'll be kind of cool um if we're if we're gonna have to lean into this uh, as far as the standards and rules, then I'm going to have fun with it as much as I can while we're there. Hopefully, I, my thing was uh, speaking because obviously we're going to have to pitch um, the books, and it's you know sometimes hard to hear people with their that's, oh yeah that's, that's true with their mask on, and we're going to be constantly talking to people, trying to explain the synopsis of the stories. Um, yeah, so that's that, that's going to change the dynamic a bit. So I don't know if I'm going to have to just be louder. So it yeah, might be weird. Was... And we're just going to be screaming at each other. Yeah, basically, basically. That's what my mom was like. I'm going to get you a face shield. I told her because I told her, uh, I told her that I was, you know, thinking about going to awesome con. Like I was doing, getting ready for conventions, and uh-huh. she's like, "I'll buy you a face mask." And I was like, "Don't worry about it. I'll just talk loud and slow through my regular disposable mask." Yeah. But now I'm thinking about it, I'm like maybe I should get the face face shield or whatever yeah i have a face shield it, it comes just above the bottom of my lower lip i mean above so it covers my mouth but it's like just barely it like goes to the, the middle of my chin <laughs> you gotta cover that beard yeah so that's the other thing like with certain like i've seen some high-tech mask which has like a, a filter at the bottom that you could change but i'm like but that's all gotta enclose over the beard which isn't gonna be <laughs> Now I'm getting flashbacks of the Marine Corps because they told you had to be clean shaven to get a good seal on a gas mask. 
And I'm like, ah, that's probably pretty much the same thing. Like, what good's the filter when I got the hair on my face that's giving space between the mask and face, which is going to allow things to get in there potentially. <laughs> got to shave it off. Yeah, <laughs> you got to shave it off. You got to get it just take hell, shave it off. That, that's what I did in the Marine Corps. Um, I had a no shave shit, and then when right, it came right. time to go to the gas chamber or anything where I knew I had to mask up, then it just you just gonna have to be uh, Nestle Crunch razor bumped up for the <laughs> Nestle Crunch. <laughs> you just crunch gonna have bar. to, yeah. I mean, I have to deal with the Crunch Bar face rather than you know dealing with the CS gas wow. or whatever else wow. I have indicated. You know. So yeah, Awesome Con should be good. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's the Comic Con event for Washington D.C. It takes place August 20th through the 22nd at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center uh, in D.C. So, yeah. Um, Is that the third it, weekend of August? Something like that, yeah. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. Yeah, it says on, I'm looking at their website here, uh, Get Your Geek On with Awesome Con. Awesome Con is Washington, D.C.'s Comic Con. Celebration of geek culture, bringing over 70,000 fans together with their favorite stars from across comics, movies, television, toys, games, and more. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I, you know, I was on uh, the podcast yesterday with Andrea uh, Rose Washington. Cool, cool. She said she's going to come, but she's not tabling, but she should see us there. Cool. Uh, as she, as a patron, uh, walking around and stuff. Um, we should see her. And for those of y'all, uh, that did listen or may not know, uh, please go check her books out. Uh, Andrea Rose Washington, Adlithio, Elendil, and Almond Tree's Magic. Uh, they are respectively a fantasy novel, a science fiction novel, and an urban fantasy uh, for the YA crowd out there. The YA. Um, yeah. Wide, wider yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I listened to the podcast. I, it was uh, yesterday, uh, from yesterday. It was, it was good. Okay. Good and um, yeah, I have, I have one of her books. I have Ellen Dill, Ellen Dill, Ellen Dill. Yeah, yeah, it's a science so fiction have, one. Yeah, I have the science fiction one. You know, I went straight for the science fiction. So. Yeah. Um, but she's awesome. I'm also getting ready for uh, she Balticon, uh, which is online at the end of the month, the 28th oh, okay. uh, of May. I think it starts, and uh, it's through Discord. It's not exactly the same as it was last year, but it's a little unwieldy. What's it gonna be like? <laughs> I, I don't know. What's it gonna be like? Not sure. I'm gonna take a page out of Andrea's uh, book and probably just not worry about inventory for that one and link to my okay. Amazon store, uh, and that way people can still get the full gambit of books, with the exception of the physical version of the graphic novel. Okay. Um, unless, of course, if if somebody really wants, it, I have a little bit here with me. If right. somebody's pressing about getting a graphic novel, then I can go ahead and and make that happen. And then we have Baltimore Comic Con in October. Yep, yep. Then we have we have two separate tables at that event, right? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be separate. They're gonna be separate. And then I also applied, uh, as you know, to Blurred Con as a panelist because it's been super difficult um, for me anyway in the past mm-hmm. few years trying to get in a table at that event, which I didn't understand what the runaround was with that. Um, Blurred needs uh, to let one of us in. <laughs> yeah, well, they they uh they responded back to me initially this last time that I applied before everything got shut down, and then they mm-hmm. had like a bunch of follow up questions like, "What does your table look like? What do you have?" And so I was like, I already sent them pictures of mm-hmm. previous di- displays at cons, clearly showing that I'm selling you know books and the like and some art. Right, that's right, it. right. Um, and all of it's mine, so I knew we didn't. That's why I wasn't worried about Awesome Con because they had mm-hmm. something. And their literature online when you apply now that a certain percentage of your works have to be yours. So right, right. I was like, well, I'm not worried. Uh, all my stuff is mine. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and if you look on my website, you look on my Amazon page, your Barnes Nobles. If you search for me, you'll find that all my stuff is there. But yeah, those are the events that are slated thus far. So I think it's a good kickoff because uh, last year I was supposed to kick it off with. Uh, Awesome con, I believe. Right, we both were. I was supposed to be there. I had a table set up for that too. Wasn't it in May? Yes, it was in May. Yes, it was scheduled for May. So I had I had Awesome Con scheduled, Tidewater Comic Con, and then I think I was wrapping up with Baltic Con in person. Mm-hmm. So that would have been for the first time three in one month, which for me would have been absolutely crazy. But I was kind of excited because it was going to be the first time that I got to show up with a graphic novel. Okay. 
all the time prior had just been books. Like, I was ready. I'm like, this is going to make it right here. This is going to be. <laughs> is that right? This yeah. Is if, I can right. These, if I can sling these books at an event that's made mainly for comic and visual mediums, then when I come, when I show up with this, I'm like, we about to set it out. I was like, I was like the OG uh, wannabe player who shows up in the yellow pimp suit with the stack shoes with the fish oh boat at the bottom of it. Oh I thought goodness. I was going to set them off. People might have been looking at me crazy, but uh, you couldn't tell me I wasn't sorry. These guys came out here with a yellow suit looking like yeah. a lemon. Yeah, I was about to set it off. I, at least I thought anyway, and then everything just got shut down. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm excited to get things started back up and mm-hmm. And like you said, we like we have no idea uh, what's going to go. It says 70000 on their website. I'm not sure that that many is going to show up to the yeah. thing. Because uh, it could be 70000 It could be more just given that, you know, we've been on lockdown for so long. People are going to be like fiends. I got to get out there. If that would be crazy if it was like, guys, we, we're not getting 70000 people. But we're getting 100000 people. Yeah. Like, what? Or, yeah. Or, or, you know, to, to keep it 100, it might be half capacity. Maybe only... 20 35,000. Yeah, that would that would be logical, but still that's a that's going to be that'd be a wild turnout. I mean, just having an opportunity to do it is great. So. Yeah. Opportunity is good and um like we were kind of discussing yesterday with inventory like we you know, and you have too. We've been to events where there's like 3,000 people. Mhm. And, and still, you know, made it do what it do. So. All right. Just I'm, I'm of a mindset to be prepared for either and Of course whatever doesn't uh get offloaded at that one event then we have at least two or three other events to prepare for that now i'll be in a place where i don't have to get inventory going forward and like i also said it's not like these are perishable items it's not food that's gonna spoil these, these books and pages have been yellowed <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, well, yeah it's been decades my books have yeah. been sitting in google closet for decades yeah if that's year yeah if you're going years without events that's one thing but we're talking about going you know august and then two months later we have another event coming up so i think they'll be fine for that so i'm gonna i'm gonna tool up that's what i'm gonna do i'm, I'm gonna print as what i can and funny thing when I, when we Andre and I were talking yesterday, mm-hmm. um, I only came with ninety books just to be completely honest because that that's what I could afford at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went and I logged into my Ingram account for printing, looked everything up, and then that that was all I could muster. It wasn't going to be no more than that. Um, <laughs> this is all I got, y'all. And then when I got close to selling out that first, mm-hmm. event, I was like, man, I wish I had more. So I knew that, like she said, for the the future reference. Uh, you need to come with it and make sure you have enough. You don't want to be, I don't want to be handing out IOUs and, and writing down shipping addresses at right, the end right. of the day. I want them to leave with that product in hand. Of course. And get those readers then because they may forget. You know, as time goes by, you're out of the front of the person's eye, mind's eye. You're not, you're not in their thoughts anymore. They, they forget. And there are other things, obviously, that they can latch on to as soon as you're gone. Right, right. Yeah, you're making me think about now. You're making me think about my first con I went to uh, in 2019, and um, I had my first con was in uh, uh, Durham, North Carolina. Okay. And um, it was called it was called QuirkCon, and so I had I had spent the that year I had I had spent my time kind of developing a portfolio of just like fan art and stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went to, I, I'm trying to remember, I think I started off with like 15 or like maybe 15 or 20 of like everything that I created. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to keep that in mind when I first started. So I had like a bunch of like fan art of like my uh, Bleach and kind of Justice League characters. I had the, the Bat Panther piece. I had the Cat Storm piece, I think. And I didn't really know what was going to sell. And so I just kind of just took that stuff. It was blackity black stuff. So I was like, all right, we'll see how it does at this black event. And, you know, I started to see, like, what did does well, what, what was doing well there. And, like, most of the stuff sold for the most part. Nobody was really messing around with my Hulk. Someone, no, no one. And I did a bunch of Marvel stuff as well. So, like, I did Hulk. Mm-hmm. I did uh, most of the Avengers cast. 
Um, but nobody's really messed with my Hulk print. So I, I started learning that over the past like year, I guess over the over 2019, going into 2020, I was like, oh, so the Hulk's not gonna do too well. Everybody else likes black, regular Black Panther. I, they do well with Bat Panther does well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like over time, I've just like, yeah, I gotta. I, I also tried to like diversify my portfolio some more, but those prints. I added like Deadpool, I added like Fat Thor and Doctor Strange, but those pieces didn't do too well. Okay. And I started noticing like I think this year I had virtu- I went to I had Virtuous Con in February. Okay. And I noticed that my um I noticed that my like African inspired prints were doing better. My African god work was doing well. Like people were more interested in that that work. And so um, for listeners, just to give you more context, I kind of started a series of drawings uh, based off of different uh, Orishas and uh, different deities across the African diaspora. And so they're like these, some of them are kind of charcoal drawings and others are kind of just like digital paintings of like different uh, different Orishas and spirits. Okay. And so yeah. like, yeah, those prints started, you know, those do well at black events. Uh, just because people enjoy kind of like the story behind it and learning about it, it's a, original. So mm-hmm. I need to I, I going into Awesome Con or at least going into I think I have an event in June. I need to update. I, I need to kind of restock on like all of my African deity prints and, and see how we do. But generally, I, I'm not too disappointed if I like add add you know add my inventory um, just because it's like. Um, if there are things that don't sell, it's like it's okay. I can just find another way to resell it. Um, yeah. So it's not the end of the world, and they're they're cheap. I go que- to what's that? What's your question? Question. Yeah. That initial um, con you did in 2019, and mm-hmm. you were did the number of each print that you brought. Was there any type of cost analysis that basically? influenced you into that specific number of each print versus uh, you know across your table and travel down to North Carolina and all oh the, the, to be honest with you no I didn't I was just like I feel like I originally remember the bill I like I paid like 30 bucks I remember paying like 30 to 40 bucks and I was just like I'm just gonna get this amount and see where it goes like there was no for me <laughs> I didn't have a logical number like if I print you know if I print out 10 prints that's gonna cover my table I just was like let's just stock up and see what happens experiment so it was more experiment it was more experimental for me but now it's um now i'm more logical i had to you know i had to learn see like what does well here and try to restock on things that i know are going to sell so yeah the, the wife is always on me about the cost analysis stuff and it's even leaked out into our outside purchases when we're at home that's hilarious it is, but so we like that first con. We were, you know, counting up how many books it would cost basically to recoup the table and all the right, expenses. Right, right. Right? So then we're at home, and I'll sit there and I'll say, "There's a new game or or, or a gaming chair or something stupid that I want," you know. And she'd be like, instead of saying, "How much does that cost?" She'd be like, "How many books is that?" <laughs> how many books does really get that? <laughs> yeah. How many yeah, books? Is that place that? Yeah, on oh, yeah. average. Yeah, on average, if a table what two fifty, what do I have to sell? I have to sell about ten, what ten ish prints. Yeah, ten to ten or t- I have to sell about probably like on average like probably like fifteen prints to make that table cost if it's like two fifty, yeah. um, like ten or ten or ten to fifteen prints to make yeah. uh, you know the average cost that we'd be paying for tables. Like if it was all was the awesome cost like three fifty, right? Oh, for, the, the smaller that, table. for the smaller table is three fifty. Yeah, for the one that we have is four fifty. So yeah, but, I would have had to sell fifteen prints, fifteen yeah. or sixteen prints to get that table cost back, but that's not hard to do. You could do that in one day. Yeah, yeah, you sure can. Um like I said, it's it's, it's hard out here for a pimp when you're when you're writing. <laughs> so I well, you it, don't have oh, pictures. Yeah, when you, you out there slinging them words and still making it making it work is it's a commendable effort in my opinion and uh not everybody does well I, I've, I've seen, seen a lot of i've seen seeing other writers it's interesting to, to, to in comparison to you to like you see other writers that kind of are like a little they're not doing too well and i'm like what's going on here i'm like yeah. rod must be a really good salesman <laughs> 
he has a good pitch. I don't know. It's just like it's just interesting to see like other book, you know, other literary writers like oh, it's a slow day, and I'm like, you gotta get up and interact. Yeah, I, I think. With the people. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of my display and my size because the wife, the you know, she we joke about it, but she's always waving her hand over the table for me to stand up when she knows a certain group of people are are coming down because she wants me I guess my presence is commanding so they, they immediately notice me come over and then we can strike up a conversation I don't know you were kind of catty corner to me at Fairfax I don't know what the guy next oh, to me to my him. left <laughs> he had that weird like dra- oh, the dude, the dragons he had a yeah, bunch of dragons and weird stuff he had some weird plushies for the first day, he was doing horrible, but I guess <laughs> one of like drag plushies or looking crazy looking Furby things he had, I guess they were really expensive. And then he sold like a couple of them and that like made up for him. He, he had finally like made table on day two. Okay. But his main thing was supposed to be books. He just had so much other additive inventory that had nothing to do with the stories or books. Like extra little trinkets and stuff. Mm. It was kind of, it was kind of weird. But yeah, he was, he was looking super sad the first day, and it was kind of awkward because then he would look over at me and there'd be like seven people each reading the synopsis of the books. <laughs> and then everybody didn't. I don't, didn't I don't know to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, bro. Yeah. So then it was kind of like it made for kind of awkward conversation when the people would leave my table and it's just him and I sitting there and he's like. You can't like I don't feel like going. Like, hey, so how's it going? Like, like <laughs> you can clearly see how it's going. How you got a slow day today? Did you make table yet? Or did you make table? My first Comic Con, there was another uh, booth next to mine, to the left. It was like a group of of authors and combined comic. I, I guess you could call them comic artists. They were smaller books, mm-hmm. and they had some something weird about there. It was a monkey or something. It's a weird display. <laughs> And, but they weren't, again, they weren't engaging. So uh. the funny thing is people would come up to be like, what is this weird-ass <laughs> monkey this thing? monkey? What is- <laughs> and, and then once the people got there, it's like, all right, like, the first part of your gimmick is working. Now open your mouth and engage. Keep me, yeah, keep me, maintain this. Tell them about the story because after a while, it just becomes an awkward silence where they're looking very quizzically at this monkey. You're not explaining anything. And then eventually they just kind of shrug their shoulders and walk off. And I'm like, oh, right. you missed one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he said you missed them. Oh, missed them. And I saw him the next year. Um, they were like a few rows back mm-hmm. by us. And again, I don't think he was doing very well. And it was Baltimore. Heavy Baltimore day. You know, Comic Con? Heavy day is Saturday. That's yes. because it's yes. the headache, <laughs> the, the grind of a Saturday. and the thousands of people and if you're doing work you know what I mean if, you, if you're selling you're slinging you're wheeling and dealing the whole time Saturday's like the busiest day and yeah it is he didn't seem to be doing and I was kind of worried because like he looked dejected when I walked by his table and then in, out of nowhere in the middle of the afternoon which is like the height of business he comes and I see him strolling down he made like a couple sales he says well I got a sale this morning I guess that's <laughs> So then in celebration, he was walking down to go get him like some $15 chicken nuggets and fries. And yeah. The, the convention. I was yeah. like, yeah. Oh, I was like, you got one sale. You're just going to blow it. <laughs> over. Spend it all on food. Yeah, these overinflated food prices here because they treat you like you're in the airport, like you're stuck. Like, we don't <laughs> like you're stuck. Yeah, we take sandwiches and drink. I have a jug of water to keep my kidneys clear. I may have an energy drink with me. Mm -hmm. And we pack sandwiches and snacks. And we're not... Basically, another... Unless we're going to the bathroom, I'm not leaving the table. Um, Y'all stay there. I'm similar. I'm similar. Because it's like, for me, like... I have like I can I can push through like like if 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 a day's good I can yeah. actually push through my hunger and be like and like I'll have small snacks but like I'll sit there and I'll probably I'll probably stand I'll sit there sit at the table for most of the day but then I I try, try, I'd like to take breaks so if my fiance is with me I'll ask her can she wash the table while I 
you know, walk around, just go check on other people. Like I like to go, I like to go check on other people. Cause I'm like, you know, today's a good day. Like if it like if I make table quickly, then it's like we, we we're cooling after this. Yeah. I usually walk around day one when it's the slowest, when people are still setting up, look at people's displays before it gets really busy. And I kind of scope out for future reference, you know, day three, when things are kind of winding down, I may see something I want to actually, you know, I see, you know, other vendors that I want to support, I'll either do it then or I'm scoping mm-hmm. you out for after. Like, and like right, right, right. you at uh, Galacticon, like, look, as soon as I make table, I'm gonna be back. And I'm gonna scoop up these, you know, mm-hmm. number. It's not. Um, but yeah, during the con, once it's on with me, I'm there pretty much the whole time. Um, after I've already done my walkthrough, you know, the first day, and then uh, the our trick is usually, you know, we got them big old banners. Um, there's usually a All chair, right. banner. So I'm gonna sit right there behind that banner and huddle down and mouth down that sandwich real Eat quick. Eat a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> they ain't gonna see me. Which gets interrupted. The most hilarious thing sometimes is a wife will literally get up and snatch the sandwich out of my hand because there's so Jesus much. Jesus <laughs> Like, like, no, this is your cue. He's like, sorry, uh, break time is over. You, to... <laughs> you can't eat. <laughs> yeah. Eat. It's not that I can't eat. It's just. You got to talk. Yeah. you're Of the two of us, the pitch is best coming from me. So. Of course. It's time to get up and. And make some money and, and, and talk and explain your story and the characters and right, right. all that. But yeah, we we don't yeah, we don't we don't break. Um, unless there's like a lull. Like early and when you first get there when everybody's still setting up in the morning. Or if it's kinda gotten a little dead later on in the evening on one of the other days and it's about quitting time and if you can tell traffic is slowed down to a slow crawl or people have already gone home. Right, um, right. You may get a break during like uh, costume contests. Oh yeah. When they have those, um, or other events are going on, everybody's upstairs in the panels. If you had a, a big convention center, there may be somebody uh, prominent from the big two speaking upstairs, and they may, you know, a bunch of people may leave to go to those. But for the most part, like if it's a three-day con, that middle day, and especially if it's on a Saturday, because usually. Friday for us has been kind of slow the first day because everybody's at the tail end of their work day, really. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it picks up a little bit and it seems like just as it's getting good and it's time to go home. <laughs> it's 6 o'clock, it's 5 o'clock. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then started. you get there on the Saturday and it's just... It, it <laughs> is a lot. Yeah. It, I think I think my first year at Baltimore Carnival Con, I, I, I vended, that was, that was 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. I was like... When that Saturday hit, I was just like, I was like, I it was an upper. It was like, I made like I sold like a one of my expensive prints, um, like my one of my originals. I sold those, and I was just like engaging with like so many people. Like I was like, I probably talked to like fifty or sixty people. Like it felt like so much. I was just like, this is a lot, but it feels great. But <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I gotta calm. I got. I need to calm down and rest. And like this is this can be overwhelming. And, and that's that's how it is for some people like like mm. conventions can be pretty overwhelming but it's like i enjoy doing this so it's like it's just you know just something that comes with it yeah we're gonna take a break but before we do i want to ask you a question uh-oh what's the weirdest congoer that you've ever seen just a, a instance of one really weird convention goer convention goer a weird yeah. one a weird one because I have a weird one that I ran into. I want to know how that compares to yours. A weird one. Yeah. Tell me what your weird happened. Tell me what happened. All right. Uh, wife and I were at a convention. It was just, we were just setting up. Guy comes in dressed as a werewolf with a piece of paper, wanting us to sign a petition so that more werewolves will get hired. And he wasn't buying anything. He didn't want to hear the pitch for the books but he was dead set on this petition being signed because they're obviously discriminatory hiring practices against for werewolves werewolves yeah and he had a literal <sighs> he had a literal patent paper that he wanted to collect signatures and he was visibly upset that we weren't signing his petition <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what? You reminded me about someone 
Uh, you remember that uh, event we went to? Uh, was that was uh, uh, January? I think it was a January. It was a January, February, twenty twenty. And okay. it was it was the homeboy who was like trying to sit at the table with us. And, oh like, yeah, <laughs> and he was talking. About he could build something. He was talking task. about building he something. Build a whole task oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your hands-on throttling stick for a flight simulation. He could build one at home from scratch. I was like, no, oh, I was like, I was like, if, I was just like, he's really like trying to like engage. Like it's COVID. Like why are you trying to sit behind a table? Like nah, you can you can stay you can stay right there. Oh, yeah, like behind the table, bro. Like like stay there. We could talk. But he was he was a trip. He was he was hilarious. That whole task. I could build the whole task. Really. You can build this entire rig. That like, was man, a- you got a business, man. <laughs> you can build a whole task. That's that's a wrap. You can make some serious money with that right now. Elite Dangerous and oh, yeah. uh, Ace Combat, all the other fight games. Star Star Wars Rogue Squadron or Squadron Star Wars yeah, Squadron. Squadron. Yeah, yeah. You can use that. Those are compatible. I'm like man. You can make some serious loot. <laughs> you can make Microsoft Flight Simulator. They're actually having real airplanes and real airports. And you, yeah, he can make some serious money if he could build that. Yeah, if he could build it, we don't know. So yeah. that was that was probably the weird. That was for me. That was just kind of like a, a weird shenanigan right there. But like that werewolf guy sounds weird. That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, and <laughs> he was kind of because after when he got the vibe that we weren't really feeling him, um, there was another. Uh, author to the right of us and she was a fantasy author mm-hmm. and when we wouldn't pay him no mind I think she was getting kind of worried because he was kind of creeping on her a little bit oh no the ring a little too close to the table but like I said he wasn't interested in buying anybody's book she obviously didn't want to sign the petition either but for some reason he kept you know standing around so I had to kind of like mean mug him a couple times and then eventually I think he got the hand and went off somewhere else but yeah he that's, was kind of hovering around that's very- wild yeah, that was kind of like the weirdest interaction I've seen. I've seen some weird interactions and in, in costumes as people dress up in cosplay. And sometimes the wife is like, um, who's that? And at, at some point, <laughs> I don't know what anime that's from. Uh, right, right, right. This person is dressed as someone in the shower. And there are, uh, I don't know why there's a toilet seat around his neck. And there's a ring. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's a whole bathroom. <laughs> they are the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I don't know what that is. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back to discuss some of our upcoming creative endeavors. We'll talk to you in a minute. Peace. Welcome back to the second half of today's Ascari cast. I'm Rod Van Blake, author of Ancient Illumination, joined again by Jordan. What's hey. good? Hey, I'm ready, ready to tell everybody what we work, what we're working on. What's up? What's, yeah. what's in store? Yeah, uh, as uh, some of you may know about the uh, Ancient Illumination series, there are three books, one graphic novel, and Jordan is a few pages away from being uh, completed with the illustration portion of Volume Two of uh, the graphic novel, uh, and he's got a solo project. Uh, coming up here soon as well as I also have a fantasy novel that I'm going to be debuting here uh, fairly soon whenever we get to these events that we just uh, talked about in the first half so some exciting stuff going on getting to dip our toes into some other things well I am anyway you're you're dipping your stuff your your toes into a bunch of things and and you're like the jack of all trades with the uh, illustration Coloring. I'm the I'm the RZA. The RZA, he's the RZA of the group. <laughs> I'm the RZA of the group. I'm okay. Got my hands a different project. Yeah. I, I got, and then we got. I got. I still have to um help uh help James finish up his book, uh Jericho's Bane. So it's like, oh yeah, gotta, gotta finish that. I gotta I gotta finish the cover, the back cover on that or something. And okay. Some, some some interior, not interior art pages, but some concept art that's gonna go in the book. But pretty much, I gotta finish that out. And so that's gonna be that's probably something I could do in a week, a couple days. Oh. So I, I'm gonna finish that, knock that out, and then I'll be focusing on my personal my my story 
uh, Eve of Inter- the Eve of Interaction. And so every uh, Rod, Rod knows about it. Um, but for everyone else, it's going to be a kind of science fiction um, thriller, sci-fi thriller, action, I guess, mystery. Um, and it follows this uh, the syndicate that's basically kind of united and liberated various communities in this underground city and so they're basically trying to bring everyone together and kind of combat combat these corporations that basically control various territories in the city and so they're going against rival gangs and police and so it's all kind of inspired by and it's it's in part inspired by the 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 siege what the foolishness that happened at the capitol earlier this year okay it, and it's inspired by or it's a play it's a, i guess a play off of a, it's a play off of that in the sense of like these people thought they were going to do something and change america and it's like but this is what this would actually look like if this is an actual revolution spearheaded by black people <laughs> trying to act, actually change things you know yeah okay so i mean i'm ex- i'm excited for it i i constantly kind of designing characters i was working on the robots last week and i did a little bit of scripting uh this week trying to just map out the story properly for the first issue and i'm thinking to i'm thinking about i most likely want to release it at baltimore comic-con um so that's going to be the first debut and uh, I'm gonna shout out. I, I gotta shout out some people because you know, got we got some people on the project, and so I'm doing the lettering. I'm doing the lettering, the 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 interior art, the cover, most likely. All the art that you're gonna see in the book is gonna be done by me. Um, and I have um, Maya Williams is my project manager and editor for the project. Okay. She's been doing an amazing job of just marketing it for me just like it's 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 very nice to have someone just like posting for you it's like i don't have to worry about this i can work on other things yeah um and then um i have my friend natalia arias she's developing a theme song to kind of go with uh this comic book so that's kind of the that'll be kind of the tip of the iceberg um and we'll kind of see how the future holds and whether or not we'll like release something larger musically but I'm excited to kind of have all these moving parts and kind of doing, create, just just getting back to creating something for myself. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's kind of the thing now too. I've been thinking about doing it um, with some of my background, because mm-hmm. uh, you know TJ Sterling and with the Joystick Angels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out now, and his brother did the soundtrack for that. Yep. I think when I pledged, that's what I backed for both the physical version of the comic and the. Uh, soundtrack and I believe a full Richardson uh, with her Mur I forget what the subtitle of that is um, but she, she, there was a soundtrack associated with that too and I, I right, backed right, right. the same thing I got the book and the soundtrack uh, that came with that um, so yeah it's it's seems to be a good thing that people are doing kind of mixing different mediums uh, whether you like music and you like comics and you like both uh you can get them all. Um, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's different than just releasing one or the other. Um, seems to be pretty cool. Did you want to go into any more detail about Eve, or is, is that all you wanted to give the people for now? You just want we'll, to give we'll them give them, We'll give them a little taste. We're, we don't talk about too much. I, 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 that's, that's, I think that's it for now. I think okay. I think they got they got to see the art. They got to they gotta see the visuals. Okay. <laughs> Okay, for for me, uh, my new book, The Nyambani Chronicles, The Return Home, is a sword and soul fantasy tale. Uh, Basically, it's fantasy. uh, If you like Game of Thrones, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Forgotten Realms, stories of those, you know, the like. Uh, But the pantheon of gods are the Orishas and uh, one of the gods that I kind of created for my orc-like beings that live in this world. Nyambani is a uh, home in Swahili, I believe. Um, and in most of the other um, kind of the nomenclature for the other groups of people, beings, animals are derived from uh, the Kosa language because I, okay. I used a lot of Swahili and ancient illumination, so I wanted to try and switch it up 
and use Kosa. Okay. Um, not as a spoken language, but as for how things are described in the names of actual creatures uh, and groups of people gotcha. in, in the books. Uh, just to, to give it a little bit of uh, individuality, something kind of separates it from uh, the other stories within the same genre. Um, that I, you know, I just wanted to be different. I wanted, I wanted to have right, a right. twist to it. I wanted, like uh, Andrea was saying yesterday, I, I want to see characters that look like me and familiar to people like me um, and, and those like me. Mm-hmm. So they're the mainstay of the the storyline. It's going to be a bunch of black folks in all these books. And we have everybody else too, but the focal point will be on black people on black people in these stories and it's a fantasy world which we're not the, the side character anymore we are the main right, characters right. and uh this is basically an alternate dimension to ancient illumination so they're not necessarily the same universe but there's an alternate dimension and in this dimension uh it's much like a lot of the worlds that we've seen in the other uh game of thrones um what else is out there? Uh, Terry Brooks's uh, series, uh, The Sword of Shannara, things along those lines. But the, mm-hmm. the st- storyline is very different in that we have these groups of people. They don't necessarily have to all come together. And, and in this case, they don't work together all the time, which is part of the problem. Um, but yeah, I have uh, these Pantu tribesmen, which uh, they tame dire panthers because they're these bovine-like creatures called bedrahim they're they're not cows but they're kind of like big you know horned animals that graze in grasslands Mm -hmm. and they they control the hunting ground so one of the ways to do that is they had to basically get rid of one of the main competitors which were these panthers that also hunted these animals so if they trained them and raised them up then they could feed them and it didn't interfere with them controlling the herds as they move they basically follow the herds through these plains and herd them around and we have cities and regular townships small fishing villages uh there are dragons uh there are drakes which i know in are most drakes? are drakes dragons are they are not creatures they are basically in most fantasy they are wingless dragons so they're, they're ah. amph- in my story, though, they're lizards. Yeah, <laughs> they're lizards. In my story, they are still winged and they do fly, but they do not breathe any type of projectile, and uh, they don't talk. They don't speak. So they a little just bite further, people. Yeah, they're a little further down the line than dragons. The dragons are sentient. They can speak. They're highly intelligent, and they're age-old um, organisms. In my universe and then they can okay. evolve they can evolve uh through certain magical processes to what would be t- uh, elder dragon which they actually change form and color and have different elements once they go through this like metamorphosis but that takes a long long time for them to do that um i have shipwrights um which are based on the moors here uh in our history um but they're known as the gray moors typically because of uh, these shipwrights in my stories built their ships out of the special timbers uh, where the they're like the gray obviously the color of the tree is gray but they're also the strongest timbers to make ships out of and they became masters of the sea similar to the moors of our olden history here on earth um so yeah, I just basically created a bunch of different groups within my fantasy world that reflected things that I don't hear of a lot in the folklore and mythology and a lot of fantasy because it's focused mainly on one or two kind of schools. You know, it's either the Celtic gods, the Norse gods um, that we see in most fantasy uh, that's out there. And so I wanted to have a different take on it um, a different feature and just kind of see what I could come up with for my own little fantasy world my own groups of people um, I have uh, Tetsuo Blade Masters which are people that um, if you're familiar with anime and the Buster Sword or Berserk 
you see these guys that are carrying these huge, huge swords. And I always thought, and some people have brought this up as well, like that that doesn't make sense. Like how <laughs> Why does Cloud Strife have such a large sword? Yeah, like if you if you forged a weapon of that size out of real steel, like you wouldn't really be able to swing it around. You wouldn't be able to carry it, much less swing it around being a normal sized person. So right. I wanted to kind of remedy that in that there's a group of monks called the Tetsuo monks in my stories where they bless these blades. It's a special kind of metal ore that goes into it. And it has to be basically magically attuned to the individual so that they are able to lift and wield and swing a sword of that size. And it's only attuned to that person. Anybody else walking the, the planet couldn't even lift their blade because it's not attuned to them. Right. It's not for you, son. Yeah. So, so just, you know, the what if scenarios and looking at things and other mediums and things that I've watched and seen. Uh, in my story, I kind of give some lore and background as to why it exists, how exactly it can exist. And then I just wrote a story about how these beings kind of interact. It alludes to some tragic cataclysm that took place like long, long ago. And that's the reason why things are so splintered now. So mm -hmm. each group kind of keeps to themselves. And once again, something comes through that kind of makes them come together and then some of them still just like nah we're not we're not doing that because that's what they always do they always right, come right, together right. and every <laughs> man elves and and uh dwarves all come together to fight this evil and they always like do in the end even no matter how you know how much conflict they seem to have built up before then they always come through in the end and they they all get together and i wanted to go kind of a different route uh for my stories to say like yeah we'll, we'll think about it but <laughs> point now it's not happening not yeah happening. uh the the jaimon are the orc-like group of people that i have they're red-skinned uh they pray to a god uh called sarat the blood god mm -hmm. and basically to pay homage. they're like a warfaring orc type of uh beings in this world and they're all about the spilling of blood and the spilling of their blood. That's like their way of paying homage to their patron god, what they think. So they scar themselves ritually. That's also something they do in homage to their god, but it has to be earned at first. Like they can't just right, right. go off and do it. You have to have earned the right to do so by either sp both spilling blood and having your blood spilled on the battlefield or some type of conflict. It's kind of a weird time because there's really no major conflict at first. Um, and also, I'm, I'm going to be scripting out a comic book focused just on them here pretty soon. Okay. As uh, they're basically nameless until they earn that first scar. Like, you don't address them as anything. They're not, they're not really, they're not really respected. Number. Yeah, <laughs> the number. number. It's like, hey, you, like nameless one, go over there and you'll clean that up. And then once they go out in battle and they spill blood and some of their blood is spilled, then they earn, they go through another ceremony where they get their name. So I want to uh, script out a comic book about three prominent characters in the novel before they've got their name. It's just, it's going to show you the story of how they earned their names initially before they get to the positions they're in in this first novel. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I like dragons. Uh, I like, <laughs> I, like I, said, I like, I like these things. Yeah, I like so I like all that stuff. Right. When you're writing, I got a question. When you're writing, like, what stops you? Like, how do you, like, when you talk about creating all these different groups of people and, right, I guess, races in this world, like, what stops you from, like, having, like, a borderline infinite amount of group of people? Because I feel like when I'm writing or when I was, like, when I'm working on Even Insurrection, I was like, how many gangs could I have? How many types of, of, police drones droids can i have like without being too ridiculous and having like all these different variations and options um i don't have that problem I, I usually stop at about three or four because then i can feel like in i can build them out uh, mm. like with um ancient illumination there are like three or four main 
mutated races and then you have the normal population. So you have the Kisan Ascari, mm-hmm. you have the Ungonku Jinnah Jade Assassin, then you have the Limbia Johari. Now, there may be other um, mutated races that aren't named, but those are the three that I focus on. Well, you just like, have, you focus it though. Yeah. So otherwise, yeah, you, you would have like an infinite amount, like someone else is going through some other trauma thousands of years ago, prays for a different mutation or a different way to circumvent how life is just crushing them. Um, there are how many, you know, how many groups of people we have on this planet now that are going through things. You would have an infinite amount of mutated races and there's a limited amount of pages that I'm going to have to write. I'm not going to, I mean, unless you're going to write a, a 1700 page uh, saga in one book or, or break it up somehow. Um, Stephen Erickson, Malazan Book of the Fallen, did a, did a great job. He's a fantasy author. I believe he's mm-hmm. British. Um, he's got like a group that he splits in one group that gets split into three groups, which is interesting. They're kind of a weird mm. magic powered elven group, uh, the Tistandi. And there's there's another, there's two other Tist groups. Basically, one's black, one's <laughs> white, and the middle one is like gray. So it's kind of like a mixture of the two. And so all of them have, they have these like weird, various. Uh, interactions with each other but yeah I could see how that would get out of control and my thing would be to fully flesh one group out like I wanted the keys on Ascari to be a focal point mm-hmm. um, as one of the main groups and then the ancillary groups with the Jade Assassins and the Limbia Jahari are groups I can sort of flesh out but they're kind of off to the side right now with plans to flesh out in the future in their very own Stories, story. but yeah, right. if you create like twenty different groups, then I think things are going to get kind of confused and jumbled. Hectic, right, right. I so, mean, because it's already that way now with like the four groups. Hmm. Sometimes, you know, so yeah, you're going to overcomplicate things. You have to focus on something to have a cohesive story. Otherwise, gotcha. he's going to be flitting from one group to the other, and after ten groups, like. <laughs> You're gonna have to bring it all together or something. You're like, where are we? <laughs> You're yeah. like, where, where, where are we now? Yeah. <laughs> we move through ten different groups of people. There, this is this is too much. Yeah, I think about that because, like, I don't want to like, I don't want to overcomplicate things. Like with the the, the people with the audience, like I want things to be streamlined. Well, not streamlined. I just want things to be digestible because it's like you know we talked about different story. We talked about different TV shows. Oh, on the on, on the past podcast. And yeah. just like, and I and I made it clear to you, it's just like, you know, the whole idea of like we're moving through like so many different like objectives and like story plots and like groups of people, but we're not like it's not flushed out well or it's not told in a very uh, like uh, engaging way, and it, it can feel like a lot and like overstimulus. So yeah that's how I, I that's how i'm trying to like think about things for event direction where like i don't want to have too many gangs um, yeah. in the book so like the eve the eve syndicate will be like the main organization we follow and then like another uh kind of black patriarchal uh gang called the nubian brotherhood and there'll probably be like three like maybe two or three more other gangs but we're not really exploring those gangs they're just kind of in the background um, are, they, are they the overly aggressive hoteps? Yes, they are. <laughs> they are the overly aggressive hoteps. Yeah. Um. So basically, like, I, I think, I think now I'm kind of grounding it, where it's like I want to show like either like a specific conflict between like the two main two main uh, organizations and games, just mm. to keep it simple. So that's that's kind of where I want to go with it. Um, like have like a conflict between the Eve Syndicate. Uh, the Nubian Brotherhood and like the 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 corporate kind of police just to keep it like yeah. in one center kind of just keep it centered in a way so we'll see where it goes but I'm, I'm excited yeah well I'm kind of hoping is like if you have too many groups then there's there's too many choices for the readers um, that's true what, what I want hopefully is what will happen as, as people read the, my books is perhaps they'll they'll take a liking to one or two of the groups that they kind of mm. 
identify and relate to. So they like the Jade Assassins for whatever reason. They think it's a cool idea or they relate more to the Kisan Ascari or the Limbia Johari that are kind of wheeler and wheelers and dealers and, you know, information brokers basically to take advantage of gotcha. their situation. And some people out there like myself or former military um, will understand and relate to the things that I talk about in the books within relation to the Galactic Marines because right. some of the nomenclature and the jargon that we have in there are things that I actually heard and saw when I was in. So it mm -hmm. gives them a choice. You give them too many choices and they're just like, you just rambling a bunch of names and a bunch of groups off and nothing's sticking. And it's just like, mm -hmm. mm, maybe if you had <laughs> chopped that down to half the number, but fleshed those out and given things for people to grasp onto, I think... It, it, it works better in the long run. So that's mm -hmm. why okay. I chose the amount of groups uh, that I have. I'm trying to think about the fantasy novel. Um, I have the Tetsuo Monks. I have uh, the, the Pantu Tribesmen, which two. run the Grasslands. I have the Elenanye on my Elven three. group. <laughs> Count all three. Yeah. You got the Jaimon. The Jaimon. Four. We got four. four. You have the group of... Everybody likes the gods. I got the group of Arishas that are... Those are there and then everybody else is just kind of normal normal, normal yeah. people that are thrown in the situation some of them have inclinations to manifest uh their unisifiwo or or magic it's mm -hmm. it's the gift in kosa and they have the gift oh yeah that, that's kind of what it is like when you have the gift then you have uh you can touch magic and interact with magic and cool, then they're cool certain laws over who gets to train who there are schools for magic user and if they find out basically that you're there's an unlicensed training of magic that's not affiliated with any of the schools then the mystic inquisitors may come after you try right, and see right. what's going on because they're trying to prevent disasters like terrible accidents have happened with people playing around with magic so they're kind of like the magic police or if they feel <laughs> like if a crime has been committed and like magic is su suspect to be involved, then they're called in to see what's really going on. Because perhaps the normal uh, guards or whatever aren't, they don't have the capacity. They can't to do this. <laughs> yeah. We can't solve this mystery, guys. We gotta yeah. call the magic guy, magic folks. Yeah. And then we have the uh, Fireforged, which are a group of descendants oh. of people who used to ride dragons back in the day. And they had like a special relationship. But in this book, that relationship has been kind of shattered and mm. they're trying to reconvene it. But they are basically pyromancers and they can uh, manipulate fire and use okay. fire as a weapon. But it, it manifests differently in different people. Um, there are schools for uh, where wizards are, are trained or the mages, magi mm -hmm. are trained to use their gifts and they may have different jobs. They had different war campaigns that were, but in, it's a time of kind of relative peace when the book starts out. So that since there's no need, none of that should really be going on. So when weird things start happening, then people start looking around like, hey, what's going on? And there's also, it kind of starts with uh, kind of a sickness is happening within the planet that is messing with the growth of the grasslands and poisoning water wells and it's starting to seep into the underground uh, magic conduits, these crystals that are formed inside these dragon layers where the elder dragons of the planet are. And they built these things like eons ago as a way to magically nourish themselves so they don't have to carnally eat anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't have to go out and hunt because these magic conduits, these large crystals now feed them. And so when the taint gets to the crystals, it's kind of what wakes up the elder dragons out of their slumber. And they're like, what the hell's going on? Somebody done cut off my faucet and now I have to get up. <laughs> I can't eat, I can't eat yeah. at all. I'm angry because you done made me woke up and now mm -hmm. I have to get up and figure out what's going on. Of course, the people who haven't seen these elder dragons are freaking out because now they're starting what is this yeah and the earth starts rumbling and cracking open and this large flying dragon comes out of this mountaintop and now everybody's freaking out like what is really going on so yeah i have a few different groups of of that i'm going to concentrate on in the books and perhaps like i said what going forward now because we're kind of a head start on what i do with ancient illumination and that 
the book will be out, but sooner than what we did with obviously with the graphic novel for Illumination, there should be comics soon. Sooner, com- right, right. Centered on specific groups. That's another thing that we get to do is we get to focus, say, on like a four or five comic book run on just one group. And then it all ties into the novels, which I yeah, think some be- pyromancers. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah, but- about the pyromancers yeah. already. <laughs> You think about the Fire Forge? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, like, what if they had a story? <laughs> yeah, so they're going to have a story. And that's the interesting part part about, like, you working within a fantasy series, is that, like, you do, you're doing a good job of, like, playing off of the trope, like, the, the kind of classes and races that we've seen before, so it kind of works in your favor, because we kind of, you kind of have that blueprint, and yeah. now you can just kind of just, like, you know, shift the dial and kind of you know move things around and kind of make it your own so it's that's interesting like all the different kind of different classes and groups you're dealing with here because so i'm like yes this is yeah. very fantasy <laughs> this is very fantasy yeah it's, it's gonna be cool and we have a little bit of a little bit of crossover as well um with a couple of the characters for the ancient illumination world basically cross over and are basically dumped into a place where the things they brought with them no longer work so they're having to deal with that they're used to like like if you're coming from the sci-fi world you're used to technology being a mainstay and all of a sudden you just got a bunch of hunk of metal and plastic that is is heavy absolutely (laughs) useless to you one of them in fact has a cybernetic leg so now he's got issues i mean so now like what do you do you you come through this this dimensional portal into this world and now you're like trapped there like right, what happened right. and actually there was a brief moment um in the ancient illumination series already um i think in book two where one of the groups i'm not gonna say who one of the groups yeah like uh, don't 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 give them too much <laughs> get stuck over there briefly and they they have to deal with that early but yeah it's, it's kind of it's been interesting it's been cool it's gonna be interesting seeing these different characters evolve and also seeing the difference in the characters that cross over how they interact and when they're faced at an obvious like disadvantage and things come in that's going to question their worldview because of how things are structured in one world versus the other when they're coming from things being in a certain way and then being totally flipped on their head when they go to the other side and like how they actually deal with it and their kind of relationship with people and their thoughts of various groups it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting i think Oh, sounds exciting. <laughs> it sounds exciting. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Um, I mean, that's why I do it. Um, at the end of the day now, it has become a business, but it didn't necessarily start out that way. Mm-hmm. And those of you thinking about creating, you have to kind of manage that and decide what it's going to be. Because if all you want to do is have fun, uh, that's awesome. I, I implore you to do that. Um, for so long as it's fun, like Andre was saying, that's what she's she's going to write until it's no longer fun for her, you know, to create. Right. Um, but at a certain point, you have to be smart too if you're going to be making, uh, taking financial risk with it. Then then you have to take the more serious logistical business things into account. Um, right, but by right. should you not write it? Like I'm not writing for the money only. Like that's not my goal i'm just gonna write because i want to i want to make money i'm writing because i enjoy it i enjoy the process just like the, enjoy enjoy the art. you enjoy the art form yeah i enjoy uh thinking about the what if scenarios the various characters the creatures um coming up with that and why they are the way they are in my world mm-hmm. uh it is fun coming up with those things and i enjoy talking about that and when i'm at these conventions and explaining that to people who are honestly curious about my stories, I enjoy that interaction with the readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never want to lose that. And so I think so long as I have that, then I'm going to keep on creating and writing and, and doing all these things. And it's going to be cool to see how these things get put into other mediums because now I've gone from literary to comics. And pretty soon, hopefully, we'll have you gotta do, yeah, you gotta do some animation. <laughs> yeah, you got to evolve to animation next. 
So yeah, so to me, it's kind of like a translation, almost like you know, into another language to see how it gets translated into these other languages and see how those things will be received. Will be interesting to see as well. Um, Feel you. Yeah. Uh, anything, you got anything else on it? Um, yeah. Similarly, I was just gonna you know explain like I'm type person where like I actually started out like in animation, and it was always for me about storytelling. And the reason I got into comics is because I realized I'm like, wait, I can like I can actually tell my stories faster. Like, like instead of trying to do a three minute animated short film that takes ten months, I could do a twenty four page comic in two or three months. And now my ideas out in the world exist, published, and also it can bring me some money. But at the end of the day I've been able to put the story into the world create the art that I want to create um, yeah. and kind of flip that and kind of and kind of just have faster turnaround time because that's that's the thing about me I've always have ideas and things stories I want to tell different perspectives just ideas that flash into my mind it was just like how can I you know bring this to life so it's like always break you know you know the process of creating it is enjoyable and then seeing how people engage it is refreshing and nice and and, and kind of keeps me going and that's that's why i've missed conventions and i'm kind of i'm, I'm kind of relieved that they're back because it's kind of nice being able to like tell someone your story mm-hmm. and then seeing them kind of react to it like oh this is different i want this like yeah and so it's kind of like similar to you and andre it's like i want to keep you know, i'm gonna keep doing this I don't think I ever get tired of creating, so I'll just keep doing this till until <laughs> till I check out. But yeah, you know, I enjoy it. I imagine yeah. I'm like this old man that's like like still drawing. Still drawing? <laughs> what if by that time? What if by that time there's like some V? Like you're drawing on an iPad and on the computer now. What if there's like some crazy in midair like 3D oh, hologram VR oh, by then you just I just project uh, everything from my mind yeah that would be that just would crazy be, that just, would be wild like, somebody comes into the room you're, you got a helmet on and these weird ass gloves but they can't see what you see like it just looks like <laughs> you in this room with this helmet and glove and you're just manipulating you're just air miming everything right now they don't see you <laughs> a whole bunch of crazy stuff that would right, be right. so yeah I'll be that old guy yeah, yeah. I, I, I ended up creating simply because I was curious as to if I could after reading so much and I began reading and so I wanted to write and I couldn't draw. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was kind of, yeah, it was a lack, a lack of talent led mm. me into veering into what I could do and I could write. So I there started with that and uh, it, it's got my baseline. So onwards and upwards from here. Thank you, brother. It's been nice talking to you again. Of course, man. Of course. Always. Uh, folks, give us a listen. We uh, appreciate you taking the time out to listen to us through these uh, podcasts, uh, which now are kind of getting longer as we get into more of a rhythm. <laughs> and, I, and I think are the more passionate... 31? What are you, episode 31? 31. This will be 31. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we will talk to you all soon. Thank you once again. All right. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>